Hi, everyone, and welcome to Life Origami Podcast with Alan Late. Today, we will be speaking to an interesting person who is pursuing several passions. And uh, one of the major things this episode will be about is the business of book writing. I would like to welcome Dawn Marcotte. Dawn, welcome to our live. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's a big pleasure to have you and especially to discover such a big topic in the online world of actually writing and making writing not just a passion, but a business. So yes. um, I would love to start first to get to know a little bit more about you. So uh, you shared with me the idea that you are from a long time in the corporate background. And yes. in the end, you've discovered passion in writing and you gradually transitioned your life into not only loving writing, but actually doing it for a living, right? Yes, yes. And parallelly to this idea of book writing and writing in general, you are a big time marathon runner. Is that true? <laughs> it is true. Yes, it is. It's how, passion you, in mind. how did you find that big passion in your life? Actually, it's my brother's fault. Uh, he has been a marathon runner for many, many years and got tired of hearing me sitting on the couch and complaining about, you know, how tired and fat and whatever I was, right? Not healthy. So he challenged me to run the local marathon here in the Twin Cities in Minnesota in the United States with him uh, the following year, which gave me a full year, you know, to get all trained up and everything. Cause you obviously don't just get up off the couch and go run 26.2 miles. So, um, and because it was with him, it was a wonderful experience because he trained with me. He really helped me along. And I have to say, honestly, as I was running that first marathon, I thought, what am I doing? I can't believe I paid someone to do this. I am never doing this again. But then when I crossed that finish line, that sense of accomplishment that I had just done this really hard thing, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do another one. <laughs> and it's kind of addicting because I have to be honest, even today, after having run 12 marathons in 12 different states, I still have that mile somewhere during that marathon where I'm thinking to myself, I can't believe I'm doing this. Why did I pay someone to allow me to do this to myself? And yet when I cross that finish line, it's that sense of accomplishment again. So it just kind of keeps me going. So yes, uh, I love running marathons. It's addictive. The running community is so supportive and helpful. It's just like a big group of friends that you've never met before at every race, you know, there's, there's somebody I'll start talking to as I'm running or that pre-race camaraderie is just, it's fantastic. It's a wonderful, wonderful group of people. I love it. Wow. And what is your big mission in marathons? Like not, you're not just running them, right? You, you no, also I'm not just running them. Uh, my goal is to run one marathon in all 50 States in the United States. And then actually the other day, my husband said, well, when you're done with the United States, can we do one on every continent? Because we love to travel. So the idea mm -hmm. is we'll go someplace fun and maybe I'll run a marathon in Italy or Australia or you know, cool. wherever, right? And so first all 50 states and then all seven continents. So wow. that would be fun. What yeah. did you learn for yourself from that experience of actually pushing through, like, as you said, right, you... Uh, the, the, your brother was tired of you uh, just <laughs> sitting around and moaning and and all of a sudden uh, you had a year of transformation 
and that started something in you. What did you learn from that experience? You know, I learned a couple of things. So the thing about running marathons, when you run, there's all kinds of people who want to tell you how you should train, how mm -hmm. you should eat, how you should practice, all, all these kinds of things. And everybody's got a little bit different point of view about it. So you really have to figure out what works for you. Because what mm -hmm. I discovered over the course of that year was the way that my brother trained did not work for me. I just did not have that kind of stamina. And I certainly didn't have that kind of speed. And so I kind of had to figure it out. And I had to keep learning and just really paying attention to what felt good and what worked for me. And that's true in so many things. There's so many different areas where people are going to give you advice. You know, as a mom, as a, when I was a new mom, all kinds of people were telling me how I should parent, but I had to figure out what worked for us and our family. So I think that's really the biggest takeaway. And along with that is the understanding that just because somebody says they're an expert or is perceived as an expert, doesn't mean you have to listen to what they say. Doesn't mean that their advice is right for you. It's oh, okay this is to not do that you know, test it, try it, tweak it if you need to, or just decide, nope, that's, that's not for me. That's not going to work. How so did you, really uh, what helped thing. you to better understand what is right for you? Like uh, out of all those possibilities, and uh, I, I really discovered for myself as well, I really aligned with what you're saying that there, everything works, but you need to find what works for you. And how did you discover how, what helped you to better be in tune with what works for you. What did you use? Well, pain is a wonderful teacher, let me tell you. <laughs> so particularly in the marathon running, um, if you don't train in a way that your body is okay with, it hurts a lot. And I'm not just talking about your usual, I've just run 12 miles and I'm sore a little bit. I'm talking about excruciating pain in your feet or in your legs or your knees or wherever. So for example, one of the things that many marathon runners do in order to run faster are speed drills. And so you run really fast for 30 seconds and then you walk for 30 seconds, something like that, right? And I tried doing that. And all that did was completely destroy my ankles and my knees. It was horrible. So I stopped doing it and the pain went away. Didn't really run a whole lot faster, but that's not my goal. I don't care how fast I run. I just want to finish. That's all I care about. So I switched my focus to, I don't need to run faster in order to keep up with mm -hmm. my brother. I need to make sure that I have the stamina to finish and still be healthy when I'm done. Mm -hmm. So pain is a wonderful teacher. And it's kind of the same thing in other ways, you know, maybe in, like I talked about parenting or whatever, or online business or whatever, it may not be physical pain, but there's that emotional, that anxiety, that overwhelm, that, oh my gosh, why am I doing this? This is really uncomfortable. This just feels spammy. I don't like this. Those kinds of things. You need to pay attention to those mm -hmm. to figure out what is going to work for you and what feels right for you. Because the world knows if you're doing something that doesn't feel authentic to who you are, it comes through. People are not going to trust you. People are not going to buy from you if they don't think you're being authentic. Mm. What helped you to discover, like one thing is listening to your physical response, right? The pain response. Right. Uh, what helped you to actually discover what did work? Trying lots and lots of things. It's the try, test, 
and then take a look and review what happened, what helped, what didn't. So one of the things in marathons, the post-marathon, the post-training run routine is really important because when you're running these long distances, when I'm training, I train all the way up to running 22 miles an hour or at 22 miles, I should say, not an hour. Um, so that's hard on your body. When you're done, you need to fill it with the proper nutrition, the proper stretching, the proper resting, all these different things. And when you do that, then that means that the next day you're all recovered and you can do your next training thing. When you do mm. it wrong, you're not recovered and you're going to injure yourself. Mm. So testing that to figure out, okay, this week when I'm doing my training, I'm going to eat apples and almonds while I'm running and see how that feels when I'm done hey, this week that felt really good. I'm going to keep doing that. So it's the trial and testing and doing the research. Okay, that worked for me. What else is out there? What other foods should I be eating? What other stretches should I be doing? Things like that. So uh, where did you reach research. out to? Where did you reach so out lots to? lots of online to research. Hmm. Yeah, lots of online research. And of course, I said, my brother's a runner and he'd been doing it for a long time. So he could say, you know, go look at this website or... Here's a magazine, uh, Runner's World is a great magazine. So they've got lots of constant articles and information. So being hooked into somebody who's already in the industry and I could take advantage of that knowledge was great. That really helped me find other people to listen to online. And of course, there's all kinds of social media around running. I'm in a Facebook group for women. And you know, there are three topics that are there every single day. <laughs> Somebody's asking about shoes, somebody's asking about trading and somebody's asking about food, you know, every single day. So there are hot topics that you just see everywhere. And as being part of that industry, you're going to just naturally get more information and recommendations from people. That is great. Why, why I was asking those questions is for all the listeners uh, is just get the idea that it's not only about marathons, it's about any single topic that we want to dive into that we want to really understand and make our own, we need to get A, into a community. B, we need to listen to how we are uh, responding to the methods we're trying to use. And then uh, looking at what's available and testing to see what works for us, what is natural for us, what is authentic to us. And gradually understanding our core goal like Don, you just shared it's not about being the fastest it's not about being uh, doing it in the time frame that is faster than your brother or at the same time you had a goal to finish you had a goal to stay healthy you had the goal to uh for, for it to be your fitness routine and uh, that is wonderful and i believe that every single listener who is listening right now uh the idea of pursuing something that you're interested in does have a step-by-step -step introduction into the topic that will help you to discover what is the foundation. Now, that's where I want to transition more into the second passion that you have done, the writing. And uh, for all the listeners here, I want to, like, for me, it was, um, I would say revolutionary in a sense. Uh, it blew <laughs> my mind when I heard the approach. But Don is approaching book writing and generally pursuing a passion through first writing a book about it. Don, tell us <laughs> why. What is like for you, 
what was the core motivation that you decided that you're first going to write a book about it and then everything else? Well, I've always been a writer. I mean, even in school, in English, where they assign you those essays and those papers you have to write, I loved it. I enjoyed it. So there's, there's kind of that core trait that that's just putting words together is just something I enjoy doing. And I actually started in business online way back in the day when the internet was new and everybody says, put up a website, blog every day, and people will fling money at you because it's so new and shiny, right? So I thought that was great. And I loved the process of blogging, of writing every day. It just, I just enjoyed it so much. And I got, you know, good feedback and followers and things. And at that time, I was very passionate about a particular subject. I had children and I was passionate about they should not have their face in front of a screen for more than a half hour a day. And at that time, it was just television and computers, no smartphones yet. But that leaves a lot of time in the rest of the day to fill. And it was just something I was very passionate about. All through my whole life. So, you know, teachers knew about this, our neighborhood knew about whatever, right? Um, and I got a lot of people who said, well, we love the stuff that you're sharing, but we need a book. We need something where it's all pulled together so we don't have to page mm. through. Um, and so that's really the first book that I ever wrote that uh, was really successful. It already had an audience. I, I had not thought, oh, I'm going to write a book, but there was such a demand for it. And that's where I started. I realized that for a lot of people, they don't have the time to go searching through a website, to go on social media looking for answers. A book is such a nice, concise way to address a specific subject with helpful information. And that's kind of my niche in writing books is I write how to. How to keep your kids out of in front of the television, you know, how to, and just all kinds of stuff, how to build a Facebook group and, and use it to get clients, all kinds of different things. So my pattern has been to find a passion, which has changed over time, of course, and find an audience and kind of interact with that audience, really get to understand what are, what are their needs? What do they need help with? Um, what do they want to learn about? And then write a book. And then go back to that and say, hey, look, I wrote a book <laughs> and, and sell it that way. And the thing about a book is that once you've written it, you're done. You just, then it's marketing to sell it, but it's always out there. So I don't have to spend, you know, 40 hours a week doing things, coaching or, or you know, whatever. There's a lot of business models out there for online. It's just there. So when I'm on vacation, I may still send, sell 10 copies because it's just there, right? And that's one of the things I really enjoy about having books, aside from the fact that I love to teach people and I love to help people. Mm -hmm. But that's just kind of the business model I have is that I'll have a passion around something, you know, do the research, learn about it. Usually it's something that I'm living or dealing with myself and have discovered something great that I want to share with other people. But, you know, what I know usually fills about three pages and that's not enough to write a book. So I do the research and expand and, and things like that so that it's concise and informative and covers a broader range than just my mm -hmm. personal experience. Let's work through the idea of uh, approaching that research, approaching mm -hmm. that development. Uh, and 
I believe that the current topic you're working on will be possibly a good example of uh, yes. how do you approach it. Uh, so first of all, let's dive into what is the passion you're trying to discover and write about now? So right now I am writing a book that pulls back the curtain on all those myths about building an online business. And we've all heard them. It's fast. It's easy. You're going to make tons of money in 90 days. You're going to be a millionaire. You're going to be able to figure it all out on your own because there's so much information out there. You should be able to do this all on your own and things like that. And it's not that those myths are completely untrue. It's more that they have uh, changed over time. When I first started in business, the, the idea was that an online business is easier than building a brick and mortar business. And it's faster than building a brick and mortar business. Somehow over the last 10, 15 years, that has changed to it's easy and it's fast. Not true. And that creates these unrealistic expectations. People who are new to the entrepreneurial world and are trying to build a business are, and they're seeing all these ads that say, try my thing. And in 30 days, you're going to have a thousand Facebook number, whatever, right? It's a common marketing ploy because it does work. But again, unrealistic expectations. So then you have all these people who are trying their best, don't have the knowledge, don't have the skills. And all of a sudden they're feeling overwhelmed, anxious. What's wrong with me? Why can't I figure this out? I see all these people who are hugely successful. Why can't I do that? Those kinds of things. So I really want to pull back the curtain on that and really dig into why are they myths? What is the reality? Because I firmly believe that the internet is the great equalizer. Anybody who has the passion can create a business around that passion, but it takes work. It takes effort. It takes time. It takes a community. So I'm really trying to write a book that highlights that, yes, you can do it, but you need to be aware of the reality of what it actually takes. And so, like I said, it's not just my experiences too. The other thing I'm doing is I'm going to be interviewing 20, 25, 30 entrepreneurs who've done it. They've lived it. And this is everybody from, I've been in business for less than a year and I'm still really struggling to really dig into what are those struggles all the way through to people who've been in business for more than 10 years and maybe have had to pivot a couple of times over that time to maintain that success. So I'm really getting a day in the life and input from a broad spectrum of people to include in the book. So it's, it's really, I hope, I think, going to be enlightening and, and helpful for people who are new or people who have maybe been in the brick and mortar and are now pivoting to a more online model with you know COVID and what's going on in the world. There's a lot of that going on too. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's my passion right now because I really want to help people find financial security. I, the other thing about being in business online is it doesn't have to be a full-time gig. For years, I had a part-time side gig was my freelance writing. I wrote articles, I ghost wrote books, um, I'd write my own books, things like that. But it was a really nice side gig to supplement our income so that when things happen, uh, husband got laid off, whatever, right? Our income changes. We still had that side income. So we didn't have to panic Mm. and, you know, that kind of thing. So 
that's my passion. That's what I'm doing right now. And I'm just, I'm really excited about the whole thing. So as you said, right, uh, one of the approaches that you're using to better um, understand how to write it is uh, doing interviews with people who are there in business and reflecting on their experience to present inspiring and uh, some insights into what is real. Another thing that I want to ask is uh, you're also having like several other approaches to how are you studying the field, doing research? Can you share more? What else are you doing to making it happen? Sure. So I actually built a Facebook group uh, for myself and it's called uh, Women Coaches and Consultants Growing Our Business. And so what I do is I invite women coaches and consultants and, and service businesses because that's been my history. Uh, Every business I've ever had had some sort of service to it as opposed to a product. And just invite them in to offer my assistance. I do have lots of knowledge and experience, but also to understand what are they struggling with? What are the the things that are impacting them and their business that are making them stay up at night and, and not be able to sleep? You know, what keeps you up at night is a question. When you enter my group, that's one of the things I ask, what keeps you up at night? So I'm really trying to get to know them as people and as business owners to understand the different unrealistic expectations or the different things that that they have as mindsets that may be keeping them from being successful or that are inspiring them as well. Because I have some wonderfully inspired people in my group too that are so helpful. And again, it's a community. You can't do this alone. And I really emphasize that everywhere I market my group is that you can't do this alone. You need people to be in your corner, to lift you up when you're having a tough day or to celebrate with you when you're having a win or to give you an idea of something else to try when you're stuck. That, that community, like I said, in the running, you know, when you're, it's a wonderful community. People are always happy to help and share their knowledge and information. I'm trying to create the same kind of thing in my Facebook group. And I'm I'm very excited. I just passed 700 people this weekend. So, you know, it's a pretty sizable group. Mm -hmm. I'm very happy about that. And uh, pretty active too. So people have been very generous when I ask questions because I'll do things, I'll do my market research. Hey, what are your two biggest concerns about getting clients? And I will just get a flood of information from that that allows me then to focus my next question and focus my research because I do also read other people's books, listen to podcasts, things like that. Really try and put my finger on the pulse in the industry Mm -hmm. so I can stay up to date. How long does it usually take for you to have the book fully ready for a release? So I self-publish my books. So it doesn't take as long as it would if you went through a publisher Usually from start to finish, you know, just figuring out the idea to getting it published, three to four months or so is usually Mm -hmm. what it takes. Um, Most of that is doing the research and the outlining, the actual writing itself, because that's something that I just naturally do, usually doesn't take that long. Um, The actual writing is usually maybe a week or two, uh, so 40 to 80 hours of actual writing time. Um, But... I also, I have to say, have just hired recently a book coach, which I didn't even know existed before. It's really awesome. I love this woman. She's great. 
Um, but she helps me get out of my own head because that's one thing with the other books that I've written, I'm really in my own head. And she's helped me to get out of that and go through the content of my book. Oh, you know, this paragraph should be over here, things like that. Um, and I will be getting a professional cover done this time instead of trying to do it myself too. So, mm -hmm. so it's going to be way better this time Very than any of my other books. <laughs> um, uh, a question in terms of the preparation, right? Uh, one of the things that like, I'm also for a long time had an idea to self-publish a book because uh, as many of the listeners also know, a book is one of the major, let's say, tools for us to become um, of influence or of uh, respect in the industry that we are, right? Sure. Uh, so to, to become a person who does know his topic, because once you have a book, you are automatically perceived as a person who knows his stuff. Exactly. So um, approaching uh, the, let's say, step-by-step -step process, I really love the idea of decomposition of goals, right? Decomposition of your tasks and projects. Uh, for you, uh, what would you say are the major steps that you follow through to structure uh, the book in the best way and start writing? Okay. Um, so usually what I'll do is when I get an idea or I have a passion, just like I did when I was in school, I'll write an outline of mm -hmm. what are the things that I want to cover. Um, usually it's just a list of the different topics that I want to cover. And that's just a kind of a starting point. Uh, I don't usually end up where I start, I'll be honest. Um, but I start with those topics. I start doing the research and seeing, okay, how much can I write on that particular topic? Because that's the, the other thing is you actually need to be able to share some information that's gonna be helpful on that. So going through that process of looking through, I usually have a list of about 10 different chapter mm. titles or ideas and looking at each one of them and really digging into what do I want to say? Mm -hmm. How much do I have to say about that? Is that enough? Uh, testing it in whatever social media that I have going that's for that particular topic. And uh, what does it going mean? out and asking. Uh, what does it mean testing? So what I'll do is I'll go into my Facebook group and I'll say, hey, I'm writing a book. I need your help. Here are three chapter ideas. Which ones do you like best? Mm. Which ones speak to you? Do you have any ideas? What would you like to see covered? Things wow. like that. So okay. I really get them to give me input into what they want to see in the book. And that does a couple of things. First of all, it makes the book better because I'm covering topics that people actually want but it also gives them some buy-in. So as I'm going through, um, sorry, hold on. <laughs> Thank you. My cat's crying. <laughs> anyway, um, so what that does is, so now they've helped with the book and I do this all the way through. So they'll hear for three or four months about this book. You know, here's some titles, here's some different things like that. Mm. So then there's a buy-in. So when I finally launch the book, They've been helping me all the way through and they kind of have, it gives them a feeling of almost ownership that they have some skin in the game. They help create this book. Hey, I better go get that book because I helped her figure out what to do in it. Hmm. So that's the other reason that I do that. But again, it's a great way to get insight because for example, the get clients, that's something that you hear all the time. I need to get clients. I need help getting clients. How do I get clients? Well, get clients is such a broad 
subject, you mm-hmm. could write that book a hundred different ways. But if you figure out a lot of people that I work with are new, so they need help figuring out how to get the attention of their ideal client in the first place, how mm-hmm. to cut through all the noise, that kind of thing. So if I were to write a book, that's probably the subject that I would focus on because that's what I've seen over and over and over again in my group and across the other groups that I participate in. Mm-hmm. How do you pr- uh, approach, uh, like one of the things you source, uh, let's say crowdsource the mm-hmm. ideas for chapters and uh, the content, um, or do you go through additional like uh, articles, researches, other yes. books? How do you approach that? Yes, I do. And so when I first started writing, I actually wrote for what are called content notes. So you write a 400 word article on how to restore a Mustang, okay? They were terrible, it was horrible, but it taught me how to do research online to cut through all of the the fluff out there. And so I am, or I consider myself to be an extremely good researcher online. So if I, when I have a topic, I will follow that method of research. So just for an example, Um, when you go online, if you want to search for something, but you don't want the fluff, the best sources for accurate factual information are schools and the government. So what you do is you type in whatever it is that you're searching for that subject, you type the word site, colon, and then you do .gov or .edu. And what happens when you do that is the search only presents you with .edu or schools gov or government right so all of those government research projects out there that are done for whatever i mean you wouldn't believe you wouldn't believe some of the things people have done research on but anyway they're factual right they're verified so you know that the information that's there is legitimate as opposed to when you search for dot coms there's not really anybody out there checking to make sure that that information is factual. And I'm not saying that it's not, but people may read an article somewhere, not do the background fact checking and just start, you know, saying the same thing without checking on it. And the person who wrote the original article that they're using could have been wrong. And yet Mm -hmm. they're just using it. Right. So Um, That's the other thing I do is I do a lot of online research, checking for just different opinions, uh, insights, things like that, so that I can include that in what I'm writing. Mm -hmm. And I will frequently uh, link, because of course these are eBooks, so I will frequently link to, here's where I got this information, you can go and check it out yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very great stuff. can you share more about the research? I'm like, um, during my studies in business administration, uh, we did need to do a lot of research, but I believe that um, majority of the people who are listening to this episode won't have the background in uh, quantitative or qualitative research. So can you share more insights in terms of, uh, let's say the methods that you deploy to actually get to know more about the topic that you want to cover? Okay, well, uh, usually I start with the acknowledged experts in that field because they um, have worked very hard to get to that point. They have lots of knowledge. But I don't just read 
what they are presenting when you dig into their website or their whatever they've got that you have access to if you look deeper into it a lot of times it will be down at the bottom of their website you can see where they are getting their information from or mm. who they are interacting with who do they see as good sources of information can so, you specify what do you mean at the bottom of the website so like, what's that about? for example one of my favorite people online for entrepreneurs is um pat oh flynn sorry brain cramp there smart passive income he does a phenomenal job of not only presenting a step-by-step -step, here's how you do it he did a step-by-step -step and actually did it in a in a job or in, a, in an industry completely unrelated to online online business he built a business around helping um, security guards get training for becoming security guards but what he did is he said here's the system i followed step by step went through it so something like that where you can follow step by step so you find people who do that but if you look through all of his stuff and listen to his podcast he's one of those people who will highlight hey i was just talking to john smith over here about this subject and listen to the podcast well then you can go to that person who probably did some advertising on that podcast about how to find them and read their stuff and learn from them as well so it's take some time to really read through and listen to who are the experts paying attention to who are they mm. interviewing because podcasting is a huge thing right now so you know and, and a lot of people have a favorite podcast well pay attention who are they interviewing and why and then go to that person and learn from them um, Marie Forleo is another person who's really good at that kind of thing where she highlights and interviews different people that are doing different things now of course that's kind of specific to the online industry if you were going to write a book about running you know you can google running experts or training experts and Hal Higgins I don't remember his last name there's a guy who's been famous for years who's going to pop up to the top okay well who is who is he paying attention to where did he get that information why does he say those things that he's saying and a lot of them particularly if they're sharing factual information will say i used this study or this you know harvard university said this well go read that article go get the background information again it is time consuming to do that um but it can be well worth the effort you will learn so much that's the other reason that i really enjoy the research part is i love to learn and i'm always learning new stuff because i take the time to go and do the research how do you manage like besides uh having to uh like do freelance writing and everything mm -hmm. else how do you structure your day like uh let, let's look at the like we are talking currently about uh, the business of book writing right and how to structure your day to fit in productive research time and what kind of research do you do in certain time frames it's all about scheduling i am a huge believer in scheduling and i talk about this all the time actually particularly for people who are in business online business it's just overwhelming there's so 
much to do all the time. So I actually have now gotten to the point, and it took me a while to get here, where Mondays are my no meeting days. I don't meet with anybody. I don't do podcasting. I don't schedule anything. And I have that blocked every week for the entire day. So I know that on Mondays, within that block, I'm going to spend two hours on my writing. I'm going to spend two hours on my research. And I'm going to spend two hours doing all the other stuff I didn't get done during the week that I thought to myself, that's okay, I'll do it on Monday. <laughs> kind of stuff, right? And I know a lot of people can't do that right out of the gate. But if you can identify, you know, Monday afternoons are usually really slow for me. I'm just going to start blocking that time off and keep it blocked. And then just grow that a little bit. And maybe it's not a whole day. Maybe it's Tuesday mornings and Thursday afternoons or things like that. But keep it blocked and stick with it. And then as you're going along, I use OneNote to keep all my notes together. I will keep a list. Okay, what exactly do I need to accomplish this week during those periods of time? So that I'm very clear on my goals and very focused. Because that's the other thing. It's so easy to get lost in what, what are my priorities? What should I be doing? So I actually create... I have quarterly goals, I have monthly goals, and I have weekly goals. I write them on a sticky, I put them next to my computer. And as I'm going through my week, doing whatever I'm doing, podcasting, yes, whatever, right? I, of course, will come across something that looks really cool. Ooh, I want to try that. that. That sounds really awesome. But then I look at my goals. If it doesn't line up, I don't do it. And But what I do do is I will cut and paste the link into OneNote so that when I'm ready for that subject. So like Instagram is something I completely lost on Instagram. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I feel like I should. So I frequently come across people saying, hey, try my program, try this, try that. Well, I have a whole OneNote with a list of those kinds of things. So when I am ready to tackle Instagram, I can go back and I don't spend three days going, oh, I know I saw that. Where did I see that? That was somewhat, right? So you stay organized. So you're ready to tackle those things. And I think just that focus has had the biggest impact for me. The ability to say, no, I'm not doing that. I'm doing this. And I need to stay with this until I am done with it. Because, and then I will come back to that. Because I want that ultimate result, right? Yes, exactly. Mm. Exactly. Having that bigger yes is, is so important. Great. Uh, thank you for sharing. Um, in terms of, uh, as you said, you have, let's say blocks of two hours, let's say mm -hmm. for writing, um, how do you, um, kind of, I believe many, uh, can resonate with this idea, like, uh, maybe the little anxiety there that if you start writing and then two hours are over and you dedicate just two hours, uh, and then it's like you finished on half of the sentence and what do you do? <laughs> like, how do you finish your block of uh, scheduled time on time? Right. Well, so for me, I know that sometimes when I'm going to get, if I get writing and I'm in the zone, I'm going to keep going. Cause if I'm in the zone, I, that's all I just am. I'm just going to keep going. Cause you can't always get there. There are days where you have that two hours and you're just staring at the screen thinking I should be doing something. <laughs> right? You know, it's just, it's just not there. Uh, so I'm very flexible in my scheduling. When I say two hour blocks, I, okay, I've got two hours, I'm going to write, and then the next two hours, I'm going to do research. Well, 
that's flexible. It doesn't have to work that way. So when you keep that flexibility, that's the other thing about having those weekly goals. When I'm very clear and know what I need to get done for the week, I can flex my schedule as appropriate each day. So that's important. But if you happen to have a schedule, you can't do that. You really do need to stay within those two hours. What I will usually do is I'll set a timer for uh, 15 minutes and then like hit the snooze, just like when you wake up in the morning, you know, 15 minutes early. So, okay, I got 15 minutes. Am I in the middle of a paragraph? Am I in the middle of a thought? I'm going to need to stop pretty soon, right? And so finish that out and okay, maybe you end five minutes early. That's fine. That gives you five minutes to take a deep breath and switch mm. to the next thing. So Very that's just something I've done. That's that's a, that's a great approach. Uh, in like I've discovered that in therapy as well. That uh, when the therapist uh, tells you like fifteen or ten minutes before the end and reminds you that we have mm -hmm. like fifteen or ten minutes to go. Then you start like, okay, I'm, uh, I know that I have the flow of a conversation or sharing or emotion, but now I know that we need to reach a conclusion within the mentioned time frame. That's, that's exactly. a wonderful approach. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I use a timer a lot I, uh, for a lot of different things. That's the other thing. When I have to do things I absolutely hate doing, and I have time on Monday morning to do that first thing. So then I'm done with them. I don't have to worry about it for the rest of the week. But I'll set a timer for 15 minutes. I'm only going to work on my bookkeeping for 15 minutes. And then I am done. And that helps keep me motivated to actually do it every week. Because mm -hmm. those are the kinds of things, if you actually pay attention to them and do them consistently, they don't turn into emergencies. You don't have to spend four hours on them. You just take little pieces and it's, it's just better all the way around. So mm. yeah, that was a lesson I didn't learn until much later in life. So hopefully I can get some of your listeners to maybe clue into that a little earlier and save them pain. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that's, that's a great hack. Now, uh, you also mentioned one thing when we were talking uh, off, off the air uh, about uh, having routines, right? And uh, mm -hmm. you mentioned that uh, you have a morning routine for social media in the mornings. What is I that about? do. I do. I'm so busted. Um, yes. So I have a Facebook group and I am also a member of other Facebook groups. And the thing about Facebook and any social media is that they have an algorithm that uh, it's a piece of software that decides who's gonna see your stuff and whose stuff you see. And the overwhelming majority of them reward participation. So if you go in and every day for 15 minutes and you comment and post and interact with other people anywhere on the platform on Facebook, Facebook will reward you by showing your posts, the things that you share to more people. So what happens is that over time, you spend 15 minutes a day, half a day, whatever, actually participating meaningfully somewhere on the platform, Facebook will connect you with more and more and more people. And that's one of the reasons that it's so important to be consistent with your social media marketing. You don't have to do a lot. You don't even have to show up every day. As long as you show up regularly, maybe it's three times a week, whatever you're comfortable with um, and do that then it will grow so i have a process that i go through every morning where i you know check my group um, on certain days of the week i ask questions in these different facebook groups again trying to get participation uh, sometimes they're just fluffy questions what's your favorite ice cream flavor 
just something to get some participation, some people responding, because then you go back and you comment on every comment that you get. So then Facebook goes, oh, look, they're connected. Let's make sure they see each other's stuff. Mm. So it's just working the algorithm is why I do that. But I also use that for market research. So I'll ask things like, what is one thing you wish you had known when you had started your business? And that's a great question to ask, by the way. I get a lot of people responding, a lot of insight there. It's it's fun to see what people wish they had known Mm -hmm. uh, when they first started out. But yeah, so that's my routine every day is first, one of the first things I do in the morning is I check my Facebook, I do my posts. Because then throughout the day, I have three or four other times that I go in, look and see what people have done, commented, and reply. Because every time you reply to them, that pops that post back up to the top of the feed Mm -hmm. and more people see it. So it's better to go in for brief periods of time throughout the course of the day to just do a little bit at a time. Because oh, that, that, that's, a, that's a big one. Same as in Instagram. Like mm-hmm. uh, if you want your stories to be uh, in front of your people at the time they're there, then make sure that you're not posting everything in one block and then ending up at the back. You just post every like 30 or one, 60 minutes and okay. you will be always in front, right? Because oh. every new post, you are jumping to the to the beginning okay. of the line. Uh, so it's, it's, it's the same thing as with Facebook algorithm where you have the recent posts as the default uh, yes. sorting of the posts and mm-hmm. the more comments and regular comments you get on, on the post itself, the, the more uh, like recent the activity on the post exactly. is. Exactly. Same yep. with posting, exactly. really great. So, yeah. Great yeah, nuggets uh, of uh, ideas of how to interact. And for me, uh, the, the whole idea, like one of the things that um, I have uh, didn't uh, include into this idea of uh, working the algorithm is actually um, investing time to engage with other people uh, shows that it's like, I know one thing for working the algorithm in terms of that, the more engagement you have on the post itself, mm-hmm. the more it will show and the more organic reach you will get. Exactly. And at the same time, I never heard of the idea that um, reaching out to other people on the platform and connecting and communicating with people there will uh, will help you to get those, let's say, bonus points, reward mm-hmm. Facebook itself, and it will promote your your things more actively to your audience. Exactly. My understanding is, the, at least right now, Facebook is always changing, so I can't promise this will always be true. But Facebook doesn't see you as an individual person who I've got a group over here and I'm in these other groups. It sees you as a user across the whole platform. So even if you're active in these three other groups over here, if some of those same people are in these three other groups over here, they will see more of your posts because you were active over here. So it, it looks across the whole pat- platform mm-hmm. how active you are, mm-hmm. as opposed to you're really active in your own Facebook group. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just it looks across the whole thing. So which I found enlightening because I'm in. I actually have cut it down. I'm down, down to, I think, 20, 25 groups that I'm in. Fewer is actually better, not the current wisdom, but fewer is better because you can be more focused Mm -hmm. and get the attention of the people in those groups 
instead of just being one among thousands mm -hmm. and they don't ever even see your post. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in terms of uh, this uh, outreach and communication, uh, of having that research, of connecting with people and building that audience, uh, for you, what actually works to, like, as you said, you've managed to successfully build a group of already 700 people, and that's a big achievement. And uh, how did you go about of growing that group? What did you do to actually get the momentum and bring in new people? Well, this is, again, where uh, it's important to understand what you enjoy doing, what you're good at, and testing things. So when I very first started the group, all I would do would be, because at that time I was in 60 Facebook groups, way too many, but uh, I would be in those groups in a post about something and I would invite individual people in from other groups just as I ran across them posting something that I thought was interesting or whatever, right? So that first month I got 50 people and that was it. And, and it was a very time consuming process. And I knew I couldn't do that. Direct outreach or in the groups? Uh, the outreach was very time consuming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I had mm -hmm. to spend all this time reading through all these posts and it was just, it would take me all day for 50 people. That That's not workable. You can't keep doing that all the time. So my business coach said, well, you should go use Instagram trains. And I don't know if you're familiar with that. You probably are. But on Facebook, they, people are now allowed to market directly mm. in some groups, not every group, but in some groups. And what people will do will say, hey, here's my Instagram. I would love for you to follow me. Ah, yeah, yeah. Post mm -hmm. your Instagram link. I will follow you. Right. And so they get these chains where there's literally hundreds, sometimes thousands of comments of people with their Instagram. Mm -hmm. So what I would do is I would go click on their Instagram, check them out, make sure they were my ideal client. If they were, I would follow them. I would then go back to Facebook, tell them, hey, I just followed you. And oh, by the way, I would love for you to join my Facebook group. Here's the link. Mm -hmm. or whatever words would would be most natural for you. Got you oh my gosh i got hundreds of people joining my group from doing that and it only takes 15 20 minutes a day and for me most of the groups that i'm in do that on fridays and saturdays and sundays so mm -hmm. you know three days a week i'm doing that and it just exploded for Great. me that's and that so that worked really well i mm -hmm. i don't know that it'll work for everybody or that it will still work because people have kind of clued in on that. Um, but I've also seen other people do things like contests um, to have people that are in the group are allowed to invite other people into the group, things like that. So there's a variety of ways to do it. In fact, I wrote a book <laughs> on how to grow your Facebook group and use it to find clients. So if people really want uh, more details, they of course are more than welcome to go. It's out on Amazon. Cool. We'll provide the link in the episode yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, super. Um, yeah, very interesting. Great ideas here. And um, so, in terms of like preparing the the idea, so you had a passion. You went about the idea. Okay, uh, to discover the foundations, understanding how this thing works. I will write a book. Now, then you go sit down and write, imagine what can be the outline. What are the major, let's say, 10 points that you want to cover 
and then you go out uh, into the market, go into the Facebook groups and everywhere else and start interacting with people and sourcing ideas about what this chapter can hold or how to name it, how to work with it. And yep. what should it look like for, for it to be interesting, right? Right. And in the end, you get all those ideas. You have the structure, you have uh, the resources, you've done the research on the, on the, let's say, governmental and educational sites. You've read the books, you've asked the questions of people. You've prepared all of that. Now, uh, writing, let, let's talk about, let's say, the final stage, right? You, you've understood what, what you want to put into the book. How do you reach from this point to self-publishing? So for me, obviously, I'm a writer. So I sit down and write it myself. Uh, then it's a really good idea to have it edited. So some uh, just another set of eyeballs to look at it to make sure grammar, syntax, punctuation, all that kind of good stuff is what it should be. Um, because How do you find so that easy. kind of person? So there are a number of ways you can do that. I, ha I have a book coach, so she's gonna help me with that. But there are places like Fiverr and Upwork are two of the really big ones where you can go out and just specifically say, I'm looking for someone to edit my book. And you'll get all kinds of people with different pricing and different things like that. There's also a company called Smashwords, which is the um, company that I use to publish through. In addition to Amazon, they publish on Apple and across, I don't know, 15, 20 different platforms. So you upload it once and it goes out to all these different platforms. But they also have, you know, you can go on there and say, I need someone to edit my book. Um, and you can go on Facebook or social media because a lot of these editors are freelancers, right? They're mm. looking for clients. So if you say, I need help with this, you're going to get a ton of people who are more than happy to have you pay them. In what kind of groups? Uh, there are writing groups online. There are on Facebook, there are freelancers. There are also, if you Google freelancers, there's all kinds of websites of people who support freelancers, who are freelancers themselves and are helping other freelancers to build their businesses. So they will also have a list usually of editors that they are happy to recommend mm. for different books because different editors do do different things. You know, So you need to be specific about this is a book on such and such a topic. Mm -hmm. Because, for example, I do how-to books. If I was going to edit, I would not want to edit somebody's fictional book, <laughs> mostly because I'm a reader and I would stop editing and I would just be reading and then, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be looking for commas, and right? You know, I couldn't do it. I would just read it. Um, so you need to be specific in that kind of thing. But mm -hmm. yes, there are different places that you can go to find editors because, mm -hmm. Ken, that's freelancing as well. Gotcha. Um, and then... One of the most important things is your cover. Mm -hmm. So unless you are a graphic designer or graphic artist yourself, I strongly recommend getting a professional cover made. I recently was told a statistic, I don't know if it's true or not, but I was told that 85% of your sales come from your cover. Mm. So it needs to look professional and nice. And again, tons of people out there that are graphic designers that would love to do your cover. 
and the same places that you go to look for editors also have people who do book covers. So you can go there. Um, the other thing that's super important is the description. So when you publish your book, there's that little blurb, you know, on a physical book, it's on the back cover, that, that kind of thing. Um, you need to make sure that that is on target and well done and is going to speak to your target audience because that's what people make their decisions on is the cover and the blurb. Not everybody goes through like you can on Amazon where you can just kind of read a little snippet. Not everybody does that. They'll read the description. So that's another really important thing to make sure that you have that as professional as you possibly can. Mm. So then you just put it all together and depending on which platform you're on, you know, Amazon has a very nice, you know, here's your cover. They just walk you through the whole thing. You upload a word document, they put it all together and you price it and uh, you know, you put it out there. Smashwords is very similar. You know, you upload your cover, you upload your document. They do have a particular format. So that's the other thing you want to make sure you understand before you start writing, look at the publishers, Make sure you understand the formatting, because what mm. happens if you don't do that, if you just open up a Word document to its standard settings and start writing, when it's time to publish, it, the system may spit it back out at you and say, nope, not formatted correctly. You need to have this much margin space all the way around, mm-hmm. or it needs to be this size page or whatever. It's different, um, not a lot different, but just enough you want to tweak it. Make sure, because if you write it that way in that format, that saves you a lot of time and effort. Um, once you upload it, it'll just go right through. It's in the sense that it's not just about the quick fix of the margins and the size and everything else, but it's also about how your words are positioned on a page and how yes. the story is connected and positioned. Because you might like write out everything so beautifully and you like how it is positioned on each page, and then you change the format and everything is broken. Now you have titles right. in different places and everything else, yeah. right? Yeah. And you have to go the all other, the way through. Exactly. And, and the other thing though, to be aware of is that it may look nice in the format that you're doing it, but the reader may be on a tablet or a phone or something that's going to change that formatting as well. So just kind of keep that in the back of your head mm. that the format that it appears on a computer is not necessarily the way the reader is going to see it. Or somebody like me who's blind practically sometimes, you know, I make sure the words are bigger. Well, if the words are bigger on the page that messes with the other formatting. And that's why the different publishers are very specific about the way they want, you know, chapter titles should be centered or shouldn't be depending on the platform, Mm -hmm. whatever, right. They know how to make it formatted so that it doesn't matter what the reader is reading it on what device mm-hmm. it will still present well so that's that's the other reason for that i heard one of the another great strategies when you're publishing a book in a specific field is to get this book out into the hands of um other let's say experts or people you mm-hmm. know in the industry to get their yes. feedback to get their let's say yes. testimonials do you do that yeah, I have never done that, but that's mostly a lack of confidence on my part because it's like, well, who am I? Why would they bother reading my book you know, kind of thing? Um, that's one of the other things I'm so excited about the book I'm doing now because I'm interviewing all of these people, then they will be in the book. And so, you know, I can go to them and say, 
hey, let's let's market this together. Let's let's promote this together because it will make you look like an expert as well because you're in a book, mm -hmm. uh, like we talked about before. So that kind of thing. Um, I have not done that, the actual reaching out. I think this time around, I probably will. I have a little more self-confidence in what I'm doing that uh, maybe I'll actually get some responses. I, I got like uh, one of the ideas that uh, I don't remember where I heard it exactly. One, one of the things that I really like to listen to Gary Vee, he, he is a big inspiration yes. in terms of getting the word out there. And uh, one of the things that um, I think I love the book, it's called Still Like an Artist and uh, also a great read for publishers and people who do art and everything else uh, to get the confidence in writing and doing your thing. Um, I heard a thing that mentioned the following. Basically, if you introduce a quote uh, or speak about a famous person uh, or someone of influence or someone of, uh, of a following or with a following uh, in your book, you can write to them directly and say, I quoted you and wrote about you in my book. I would love to hear your feedback on oh, what do you think? And that's a great idea. And you send them a copy for free and just uh -huh. ask them for feedback in terms of what did they enjoy or uh, what would okay. they add or something like that. And then you can put what they've written to you into the book. And now you have even more credibility that you're not just right. quoting them, but they actually gave you a testimonial. And uh, if you do it uh, to a, let's say a large amount of people, like, you know, the uh -huh. sample is high enough, you right. will get uh, more feedback. You will get more those, let's say, testimonials from people okay. who are of influence and having yeah. them in your book will boost uh, boost the idea of, uh, of yeah. that's a great idea because there are a couple of people that i mentioned and uh yeah that's i'm totally gonna steal that and do that that's great i'm Thank really looking i'm really looking forward to hearing uh the results from that as well <laughs> um another thing that's um i want to touch upon in uh, in this whole process is um how do you later also market right one thing okay you got it out there it's published mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i've heard that uh, it's critical for amazon to get let's say first sales the same day how do you do that how do you approach it to actually get the traction so there's a couple different things that i have done the best and most effective thing that i've ever done is have kind of a launch party kind of mm. thing. So I've been talking in my book, or I'm sorry, in my in my uh, Facebook group, you know, I'll be talking about this for months and months. Uh, but then pre-launch, so I know, okay, it's going to launch on April 1st. We'll just make it up. April 1st. So starting in March, I will start talking about the book. Hey, do you have trouble with, you know, this mindset? Well, I wrote a book on it. It's coming out April 1st. Don't miss your opportunity. And I may even have uh, signups for pre-orders kind of things. So talking about it and making it, making it relate to current topics in the group so that people see that, oh, I should go get that because she's been talking about it and she's been so helpful in, any, in many other areas, I should check out this book as well. Mm. And so that way, when it does finally launch, so on that day, you know, big announcement in the group, send out to my email list, 
across all my social media platforms because I'm on all of them, of course, because um, I didn't know better. <laughs> and I, you know, just really pumping it up. And then throughout the course of the day, so I may that day actually publish within the groups excerpts from the book. Hey, here's my intro. If you like this, go check it out. Or here's my answer to this question. No, it's not easy. And this is why that um, that myth started. This is how that started. Mm -hmm. You know, so just really get out there and just spend a day pushing, basically, is what I have done. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but that's been the most successful. The other thing that I will do is for the people within my group, because I want to make them feel special, I may do kind of a soft launch. Um, and Amazon has where you can do a special and your book can be free for up to five days. And mm. so I may do something like, hey, today only, you can pick up my book for free. This is a one-day sale that is exclusive to you guys. Go get it. Because what happens, even though it's free, Amazon still sees all these people downloading. And the other thing that I do is ask, now, if you've downloaded it, could you please leave a review? I don't care if it's a good review or a bad review, just leave me a review. Because that's the other thing Amazon really likes to see is that interaction. It's just like a social media platform. It rewards that interaction. Mm -hmm. Even bad reviews, don't care. Um, and that will push it up to the top. And then what I do after that first day, obviously, is I kind of keep pushing it for a while. And I will take excerpts from the book and have them, you know, just kind of where I can cut and paste, whatever. And most of the time, some of the topics are hot topics that I will see in other groups. So somebody will ask a question around, or, or I'm so stressed out, I can't believe I'm so overwhelmed. Oh, well, you know what? Maybe your expectations are unrealistic. And here's, here's an excerpt from my book that kind of explains around that. I hope you find it helpful. Mm -hmm. And then have a little link to the book. So sharing the actual a little bits of content directly with people, because it's not just that person in that post that sees that, it's everybody that sees that post will see that more than likely. And so mm -hmm. you're not just marketing to an individual person, you're then marketing to the rest of the people in the group who find that post helpful. Uh, another thing that just came up, like uh, it's a good opportunity to partner up as well uh, with those people who provided you testimonials. And exactly. Do, yep. do feel that the, the book is worth sharing. Uh, and uh, you, what, what is possible is actually to do uh, affiliate marketing with them. So to yes. provide them affiliate links to sell uh, the books and uh, get a percentage uh, of, of the payments uh, from every single person that bought from them. Yes. So that's yes. also an interesting approach. Yeah. And that's one of the things I'm hoping to do with the people that are actually in the book so that they get some sort of financial something because I'm not paying them. Um, I'm hoping that by, like he's just said, okay, let's do an affiliate link and I'll come into your group or onto your podcast or wherever you want me to be and talk about the book and talk about you being in the book. And, you know, maybe mm -hmm. you can sell this to a whole bunch of your people too, right? Which is good for me and good for them. So yes. And one, one more thing is important to remember, depending on, on the level of, uh, let's quote unquote, success or let's say level of wealth of that person, uh, to some wealthy people, um, 
you don't even need to offer them an affiliate opportunity. For some, right. uh, this opportunity will be so small within the frame of what they're doing yes. that they won't be, it's not stimulating for them to, let's say, use it as a business opportunity. For some, it will be just a matter of supporting you on your journey and helping you to grow because they just can't, you know? Right. And uh, for them, it will be more of an insult to offer an affiliate opportunity depending right. on where they are in their business because it's just a tiny, you know, tiny thing, right? Right. So right. it's uh, also important to understand who are you reaching out to and what mm -hmm. are their values in life? Uh, do they support yeah. people? Do they uh, encourage other people's self-realization? And uh, how big is the business that they're already doing? And based upon that, make a judgment. Would your opportunity be something sizable in, the, in, their, in their world, what they're right. living in? Or right. it's not, and it will be more of a philanthropic uh, gesture from them of supporting your small business or small exactly. agenda. Exactly, exactly. Well, and marketing the book is just like anything else. You test it, you try it. If it works, you know, do more of that. If it doesn't, well, stop doing that and try something else. So, yeah. And then the thing about books too is that they're, they generally have about a three-year shelf life. So, you know, you, you keep marketing it for that period of time with the knowledge that you're probably going to have diminishing returns over time, um, unless you're somebody like, you know, Stephen Covey, who writes Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which is one of my favorite books. And 30 years later, you know, still making thousands and thousands of, you know, that's what I want to be when I grow up. I want to have something <laughs> that successful. That would be awesome. Um, Don, uh, what would be your uh, number one, let's say, message or advice to people who do want to publish a book and make a business out of it? Well, if you want to publish a book, there are so many opportunities. And I think my advice would be that it's important to understand which parts of that process you really want to do yourself and which ones you need to hire out because mm. you can hire out every single aspect of it up to and including the writing part. So maybe you have an idea, but you don't feel like you're a writer. Maybe you're a graphic artist and you want to do the cover, but you don't feel like you can do the writing you can hire someone to help you with every single step along the way. And that's the other thing I would strongly recommend for your first book is to hire a, a book coach, someone who's been through the process. And I'd be happy to recommend mine, by the way, um, but can kind of hold your hand and say, okay, you know, now you need to work on the marketing or let's focus on this or no, this description doesn't quite do it. You know, somebody who's been through the whole process strongly mm. recommend you do that and there are businesses out there that that's what they do is they take people who have an idea but don't have the skill sets to create that book and they will walk them through the whole thing and you end up with a fantastic product on the other side that you can market and sell and some of them are best sellers i mean and they are working with not just you know jane doe off the street they're working with famous people 
um, you know, actors, whatever, famous people to do that too. So, and the reason I know that is because I signed up to be one of their writers. So that's why I know they exist. Um, but yeah, you know, really um, dig into what you want to do as far as what your skill set are. Don't be afraid to try. Don't be afraid to, to just put some words down on paper and, and see what happens because just the act of working through the whole process, you will learn so much and you will, you'll just, it'll be a better, you'll be a better person because you learn so much about that particular subject. You can then go on to help others in that particular subject, even more than you thought you could. Wonderful. I also remember one thing uh, you mentioned, you can outsource everything and that is so totally true. I am, uh, I don't remember who specifically I heard, uh, but there was a guy, a really famous person, uh, wrote many bestsellers. But the thing, what he said in one entry was, I never wrote a single word in my book. What he does, he has a process where basically he has an idea. He sits down and talks for several hours just records his okay. all his thoughts drops them into audio okay. format and then sends his audio for transcription that transcription goes into the writer's hands the writer puts yep. creates a neat structure out of all those ideas mm -hmm. um then it goes to editing and then to publishing and that's it he doesn't do anything else all he does in all this process is just write his ideas on a, on a recorder, gets everything in there, sends it out, transcribes, yep. edits, uh, like writes and edits, everything is done for him. Of course, yep. it costs money. No yep. questions asked. But uh, for many people who are already doing business, who are already making a living, and they want to get into the sphere of writing books. And then they understand that I'm not a book writer. Uh, I'm not that good with uh, doing all the, let's say, research or whatnot. But I have many ideas that I want to write in a book or stories I want to share. And I don't want to spend time sitting down and writing and thinking about punctuation and everything else. So just you can record, transcribe, write, and edit. Uh, and that's as simple as that. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yes. There is always a way that it can be done. You might just have to think about it in, in a little bit, but there is always a way that it can be done. Yes. Yeah. Super. And that's, that's the same thing. Bet on your strengths. Find what works for you as you don't share it through uh, running of marathons and learning what works for you and what are your methods and uh, all about writing and researching. Everything you shared today with us is all about learning what works for you. What are your talents? What are your strengths? Bet on them and everything else. Find people to support you. Right? Yes, exactly. Yes. Super. It's been a wonderful conversation, Don. Thank you for being with us. Everything about what we've talked today will be in the show notes, the links that Dawn talked about and her business, her groups and everything that she's doing. You will be able to find it in the description below this episode. It was lovely to have you, Dawn. Thank you so much. This was great. I loved it. <laughs>